Beers. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Happy Deadline Day. Uh, deadline days in sports, where I usually am talking on the radio, are uh, fun days. And today's AWOG Deadline Day. Bert, so it. if you've got a, a brew you want to get into the uh, Amber Waves of Grand Brewing Competition, bring it to the store today. You got it. You got till 4 p.m. to bring it in. Um, we would suggest starting or at least trying to fill out the online entry form um, when you are at home. Um, because there will be the kind of a lineup to do it at the store. And if you don't have a printer, go ahead and email to our niagara.tradition at gmail.com. And then when you bring in your entries, we can help you print it out and cut out the labels for you and stuff like that. But today is the last day. So if you're trying to get two to three great pages of feedback on your beer for only, what, $6, yeah. $7, get it in today. And so a lot of people are doing that. We have a lot of entries stacked up. I think they're around 500 Wow. Currently, and that's just online registered entries as of like yesterday morning. Um, so it looks like we're on pace to our usual 600 or more. So when you say $6, that's the entry fee. Yeah, or $7. $7 entry fee. Uh, two bottles, unmarked, on no specific caps you want. Yeah, right? blacked out blacked if they out. have anything on there or anything like that. Gotcha. So no characteristics to identify who you are we and all that. All the characteristics to identify the beer. Right, exactly. Uh, in terms of categories, how does that work? There's and that's one of the reasons why we love sending people online. One, it puts you right into their database so they don't have to transcribe you in. Um, but they go right by the BJCP guidelines, and they are going by the 2016 guidelines. So if you haven't entered in a couple of years, you might want to take a fresh look at the guidelines. You can get them both, a link on the Niagara Association website, as well as if you search BJCP 2016 guidelines, um, I know that the PDF uh, from the BJCP and AHA comes up first. Okay. Very good. So deadlines today. Get there uh, to Niagara Tradition by 4 o'clock this afternoon and uh, submit. And the judging happens in the banquet in two weeks. You now, the it. banquet itself... When information on the banquet for this? It's on the Amber, or I'm sorry, on the Amber Waves of Grain website with the Niagara Association. I can't remember how much tickets are, um, but they usually have a great night. Um, you know, you don't have to enter to attend, although it's not as interesting as if you, uh, you know, have entered something in. Um, but they always do a great banquet. They have great prizes. You do not have to attend the banquet to get your prizes. Gotcha. So if you win something, you know, they'll a, give it to you. As a non-entrant, is the banquet worth the price? I mean, is it a good time? I, I, it's a good time. I don't know if you're if you're not an entrant, if it really is, you know, if, if you want to, you know what I mean, hang out all night. Because while there's great food, there's great dinner, there's over 26 categories. Um, gotcha. And four places in each category, as well as best of show, mead, ciders, and you're going to sit there while names are called off. And if you don't have anticipation that your name could be next. Right. It's so it really is like an awards show, basically. Yeah, you got it. Okay, you got it. good to know. Very good to know. All right, so again, deadline today for the Amber Waves of Grain. Hop Rhizome pre-orders. Uh, get them in as soon as possible. You got it. We've placed our orders in. So the number, we can always we can usually get a late order in. Um, we don't always get everything we order in a late order, though. Um, and so what I'm telling people is if there's a specific hop that you want this year, 
you better pre-order it soon. Um, what we're going to have is Brewers Gold, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, uh, Columbus, Crystal, Fuggles, Golding, Liberty, Magnum, Mount Hood, Northern Brewer, Nugget, Sterling, Tetning, and Willamette. So while we don't have as many rhizomes as years past, because they've kind of had a little bit of a rough year uh, from some of the growers, we still have a lot of varieties. And if there's any of those that you really, really want, pre-order now. I can tell you right now, Columbus has been a very popular one already, as well as kind of a, you know, making a comeback for some of the Liberty, Mount Hood, and kind of some of the Eastern European hot tightening as well. Fifteen different varieties. I mean, you know, that's I'd say that's a pretty good selection you overall. You got all your bases covered yeah. as far as styles. Uh, in terms of you know, from hops to yeast, uh, you've got new yeast strains or available. Yeast strains disappearing. Oh, they're being dropped. Really? Yes. And so in we, place we, of others, or just nope. No, and, and so this is, I guess, in, in a growing industry, this is not something we're used to seeing right mm. now, which is, you know, brands or availability dropping. But why yeast is dropping, um, I think, seven here, uh, different strains. Um, they said Are they being was, exterminated? These, is, they're not going to get rid of them. They're going to okay. save the strains, and they, they promised right. that is... they will release them in private collections okay. from year to year. Um, we'll see how much they hold to that. Um, but there's some favorites in there, definitely of mine. And so the yeast that they're going to be dropping, and we still have a couple of some of these in the store. This is a 2000 Boudvar Lager, 2001. I think that's a Pilsner uh, Urkel uh, H strain. The 2005 uh, American Lager, sometimes called the Schill Lager. Uh, the 2042 Danish Lager, the 3333 German Wheat, uh, 3562 Forbidden Fruit, and 3942 Belgian Wheat. So they're getting rid of all of these yeasts and a lot of lagers and a, a good portion of their lager yeast because they don't offer too many and i can tell you the danish lager was one of my favorites um so i'm sad to see it go could it is it just because i mean it must be sales like they just don't you got think, it that's what they said they're just, not moving that much you, you got it and they, while they're still keeping them for commercial supply they're not going to be packaging them for homebrew supply they promise to release them in limited batches kind of like they do their private collections that they have one going now um in the future but, but they're adding a farmhouse? They're going to be offering Well, the little... farmhouse is one of their seasonal strains. Okay. So if you want to kind of put an analogy here with the bills and fullbacks, that's why yeast and Belgian strains, I yeah, think, yeah, right okay. now. So they just yeah. dropped off about half of their lagers, and they're adding some more Belgians. So okay. a little interesting choice there. But the other thing is if you really like these strains, there are equivalent in White Labs, and we order from White Labs once a week as well. Um, now, we have to admit, we weren't keeping very many of these strains in stocks, only one to two packs per week because they weren't too popular. And if you're interested in grabbing them, any of them from White Labs, just give us a call and we can order them in. We'll probably keep a couple of them around during season, outside season, though. Uh, you'll have to give us a call. All right. Now, from hops to yeast to CO2, one thing that we – talked about i think off the air after, after the show off the air after yeah, the show, yeah after the show last week uh you there may be people that all of a sudden uh oh there's a few because we're getting quite a few phone I, calls. I, you know what <laughs> i would I, honestly that doesn't surprise me i when i heard this news where do i get my co2 filled these days well there's actually always have been and there's still a lot of places in the buffalo area to get your co2 filled and one of the reasons is we are the central location for prax air large international corporation that specializes in retail locations for gas. So if I'm giving them a little bit of promo and we can talk about some other places, you can get Irish Carbonic straight welding. Um, and I believe those places will do fills. Praxair is more in the uh, exchange 
business um, as far as their smaller retail locations. I believe their Broadway market does do refills, but all the others do just an exchange. But this is what you're used to with your propane tank or something like that. You bring in a pro, you know, tank that's been sitting, collecting rust, getting dirty, empty, you know, slowly losing its inspection. They give you a nice clean one with a fresh sticker, filled, inspected, and ready to go. Um, and they have plenty of locations around the Buffalo area. Again, there's also straight welding um, as well as Irish carbonics. Um, and there's a couple other Niagara welding supply. And so any welding supply places, some fire halls will do it. Um, but I would watch where you get your CO2 filled from. And if you're going to a place from a, for, for a first time, it might be a good idea to take a little bit of CO2 off the cylinder. Maybe spray some out of the cylinder into a bag or into a keg. So put it into an empty keg. And then you don't want to directly smell, but waft it. Um, the one thing we have heard is that places doing fills over exchanges that sometimes you know, if they screw up the exchange a little bit, you might end up with something from a cylinder somebody's brought in. And the big dangers are machine oil and calcium carbonate um, from fire extinguishers and the other one from, um, you know, machinery parts. Uh, that if somebody's brought in an old uninspected cylinder, that some of that after filling might get back into the system and end up in your tank. So if you're going to a place for the first time and you're a little, you know, nervous, get the cylinder filled or exchange, go home, fill a keg up with just some CO2, bleed off the pressure, and really when you're just bleeding off the pressure, you'll be able to tell then if there's any off flavors that you can or need to worry about coming from your CO2. You say waft it, like that just yeah. means... Yeah, and if, if you remember back to high school chemistry, remember they tell you don't stick your face in the beaker. Right. You know what I mean? Hold it at arm's length, waft it to your face. Same thing here. While CO2 isn't going to poison you, you will get an intense burn, and you know you could, uh, yeah, knock yourself out, get a little lightheaded. Hmm. So waft, and, and believe me, you don't need to get a full force of it if there's any machine oil if there's yeah, anything from fire extinguisher in there you're going to know immediately yeah you shouldn't smell anything basically you it, got sh it. it should just okay gotcha there's maybe a little bit of citrusy some people claim but really you should be smelling nothing okay and one more thing before we get to the actually we're going to get to oktoberfests today and uh uh first word hopping but maple taps why, why did you want to bring up maple taps today because we have to admit, a couple of years ago, I talked about maple taps on air and about you know, people going out and tapping their own maple. And it seems like a little bit of a long stretch. And I have to admit, although I put together the equipment, I never got out and tapped any maple trees. And I thought it was a little bit of a long shot. But I have noticed, not one, we have a couple of customers collecting large amounts of maple sap for beer. But I've also seen plenty of urban taps around this year. So I want to give a little kudos, a little applause to anybody out there tapping their urban tree. This looks like this past warm spell was a great time for them. Uh, a lot of people who were doing it told me they got a lot of runnings in those days. And this cold spell should lock it up, but when it warms up, we'll get a whole nother run as well. So you're, you, if you miss the first run here, the cold spell is actually working for you. You can get out again before it warms up. And, and you can just go tree. ahead and tap any tree. Maple tree. Of course. Like, maple. But, like, and preferably the sugar maple, red maple. Right. You're going to get, a, out of a smaller tree, you'll get a lot more sap out of something like that than you will like a big, you know, established. I don't know if Norway maples, if people tap Norway maples. So Maybe they do. You put all that equipment together last year and didn't do it? Yes. Will you be doing it this year? Uh, I'm going to try. You're going to try. I guess you're putting me on the spot right now. Well, I mean, you know. I'm, I'm pretty bad with this. If you have to admit, like, bringing home recipes, you know, if we get a slow last hour in the store and I'm, you know, packaging some hop, I would say I'm known for putting a whole recipe together. And then by the time I get home, it gets set down in the basement. I'm sure this is a common problem for home brewers. And then I slowly start stealing ingredients from it. And then eventually I don't have a recipe. And then, you know, you get a marginal right. ale a year or two down the road. Gotcha. So. 
All right. Let's get our first break in. Uh, when we get back, Oktoberfest. Yes, it's March. That's when you have to actually plan for your Oktoberfest. So we'll get to that. It's uh, it's time to do it. Oktoberfest's on the way here on Niagara Traditions. Just for Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Every episode is available on demand at WGR550.com or on our website, uh, ESPN 1520's Audio Vault as well. Jeremy White, Bert Deister here as uh, we say hello. It's we're in, we're in a cold spell here, so maybe you want to hunker down and, and brew a beer. And now's the time to brew an Oktoberfest. So yet again, maybe this cold spell is actually something good, good thing, for right? you. Like it's a good thing right let's, now. Let's, so let's look on the bright side. So yeah, and so we all know the Oktoberfest style, and we refer to it simply as Oktoberfest. And as soon as you pull out a style guideline or you pick up an actual bottle of German beer, you'll notice that it's Oktoberfest Marzen. Now, Marzen, as you can guess, means March in German. So really, the kind of, we'll say, brewing schedule of the beer is right in the name. Yes, you're intended to start it now, before you've even seen summer temperatures, before you've seen green grass, and you're supposed to be drinking it when the you know leaves have turned yet again and there's no greenery and this is when you should be drinking your Oktoberfest. So if you're trying to do one true to style, you should be starting it now. Um, and so I think this is a style we talk about a lot, especially well, you know, we get to talk about it again in October. And I know we both have kind of some you know favorite recipes, you know. Recipes definitely vary. Some common points you'll see is Munich malt, Pilsner malt, and or Vienna. Um, you also see some roasted malts, but you can really get artistic kind of with the specialty malts you use uh, in your Oktoberfest. Uh, I know I really like to use a little bit of Carafa Special, a little bit of German uh, Caroma. I know you're partial to biscuit. Mm-hmm. That kind of gives that graham cracker crust kind of uh, flavor. Um, but, you know, Oktoberfest is really a malt show. And you want that to be showcased. Um, So you're going to use some hops, you know, preferably something noble. Um, You maybe can put some in for the finishing if you want. You really want to make sure you have a little bit in for bittering and, you know, don't want to turn this into, you know, an IPL or something like that. You know, half an ounce to, you know, even a quarter could be appropriate for a finishing hop on a Oktoberfest. Um, And then the big question comes down to yeast, and before, go, go ahead. Before yeah. you get that, when you say you can get artistic with specialty malts. Well, because, you know, when you start to read, like, people's descriptions, Oktoberfest is complex, most rich, you know, profile. Um, and if you have a favorite roasted malt, um, say, like, you know, American chocolate or, you know, English pale chocolate or uh, Belgian coffee, you can kind of slip it in. Just as long as you get the color, you know, you know, it's not too dark. It's not overpoweringly roasty. So if you have some favorite dark malts, you know, just like we talked about with the Imperial Stout being, you know, a great time to use an abundance of all of them. And Oktoberfest, or Oktoberfest Marzen, would be a great, 
you know, time to use a little bit. So all your You're favorite, yeah, your favorite dark malts. Okay. And, and so, you know, I like the Carafa 3 Special and the German Carrot Roma. It's about a gotcha. 130 uh, degree crystal. Um, and really, between the two of them, you get wonderful chocolate and toffee flavors. Uh, and when I put my Oktoberfest to my nose, the first thing I kind of think of is actually like Goya malt soda. You get that real aromatic malt. Mm-hmm. Is there a percentage of grain bill that, as a rule that you wouldn't go by? Like you wouldn't go above a certain percentage? Um, kind of tough. I would say, oh, God, 10%. Okay. And, and that really depends on... Different malts are going to be different. Yeah, if you're doing a 5%. So you're, you're doing a kind of uh, simple example, a kind of you know smaller example of the style. I would kind of limit myself to 10%, especially malts. Um, as that base malt goes up, so does the kind of you know amount of specialty malts you want to use because you want to kind of you know beef up that beer to back up the extra alcohol. Okay. So we'll say you know fifteen to twenty percent on a bigger example. Okay. So on to the yeast. Sorry on to the yeast. So, okay. So a lot of people feel like they have to use a lager yeast, and to be quite honest, most of the commercial styles and most people who associate Oktoberfest are going to associate with a lager yeast. Although we've talked about before, you know, lager yeasts are a little bit more modern. So that means all the traditional Oktoberfest beers before that were made with alt yeast, and you can use an alt yeast if you want to make this beer. Now. There's a reason why lager yeast were made, though, and it's actually, if you want to look back to this beer and some other beers that were long-term aged um, in kind of uh, Bavarian and Bohemian brewing, um, really what they were looking for in the lager yeast was its ability to kind of guarantee that the beer had a little bit better chance of aging without spoiling over these long lagering times. So the yeast is named after the process. The process is not named after the yeast. You can lager an ale or a lager yeast fermented beer, um, but, you know, once you go that way, you have a little bit better shot of making sure that your beer is not soured if you use the true lager yeast. And that's because they produce small amounts of sulfur dioxide. And that's going to kill any bacteria that you have inside the beer. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so those yeasts are going to give you a little bit of an edge when it comes to aging, uh, give you a little bit of peace of mind. It's a great time now with the cold temperatures we're having. Again, these yeasts don't need to be 45, you know, 50 through all their fermentation. If you can find 55 to 58, you know, the Bohemian Lager yeast will take care of you just fine. And to be quite honest, I fermented that at 64 all the way through when I've totally lost control. After a little bit of time in the basement afterwards, it's become a wonderful beer. So this yeast strain is going to ferment for how long overall? And see, and that's another thing. It's a good thing to bring up. It's not going to ferment till October. You're not going to see bubbles. You're not going to see action all the way up until October. You're going to see, you know, action until you do your diacetyl rest. So maybe only the first, you know, seven or ten days, or maybe if you're going warmer, as short as like, you know, five to seven, you'll see bubbles. After that, the beer, you're not really going to see anything. Now, if you were to take a sample every day, which I would not encourage, (laughs) um, (laughs) one, because by the time October gets around, there would be no beer left, um, you would notice it was slowly becoming a little more cleaner, um, that the malt profile was becoming... Uh, a little more focus, yeast esters slowly dying back, and it's going to become a little bit cleaner of a beer. In the history of this beer, the Oktoberfest, how, how did they decide that they were going to have such a lengthy process? Like, what, what was it born out of? If I, I mean, there's a lot of, we'll say, series, and I think probably the, the most you know, backed up one would be uh, kind of uh, grain storage availability. 
um, you're getting into a fresh harvest year. You're getting into spring. You're going to have new ingredients available. You have silos to empty and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, the main theory to why the, you know, Marzen was a little bit bigger, you know, a little bit roastier, a little bit hoppier, um, was to use up more ingredients. And then the fact that they felt that the beer would have more benefit aging than the ingredients would. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's true as well. Um, so to prevent, you know, oxidized malts, uh, also I think the other thing you would have to worry about is mice and rats, and gerbils, yep. um, coming after your grain supply. So if you can get that out of the silos, into, into a barrels, beer. into a cave, in some place where it's a little more secure, you know, you've guaranteed your supply a little bit more. Right. Okay. So by the time October rolls around... You will have a wonderful, crisp, and clean beer. And so, again, you're going to go through primary fermentation, a diacetyl rest, um, quick secondary to get any solids out, and then you're going to bottle it. Once the beers are carbonated, or if you're kegging, you're simply going to keg it. This is when you try to put it away, 45 degrees, someplace out of the sunlight, preferably that you'll forget about all the way till October. And it will be a very nice uh, beer when you get there. Hopefully. Now, right. Sanitize well. Right. Have you successfully come through with a number of Oktoberfests? Like what, what percentage? Not in a keg, to Not be quite keg. honest. I, I've, I, can, I probably brew an Oktoberfest every March. I have never had a keg survive till October. They right. usually make it till like July, uh, and then I'm usually brewing a second Oktoberfest Marzen or just a simple fest beer uh, kind of in September. Because you just know that it goes wrong? No, it just goes so well. Oh, it goes so well that you just and end up drinking it you got it. oh okay you know i put it in a keg you put it in the back of your kegerator no. all you have to do is not move drink that it. disconnect from one keg to another and you're in trouble yeah okay so right. this is a common problem this is a common problem from home brewers right um and there's nothing wrong with drinking the merchandise a year. yeah drinking the merchandise before its maturity date okay yeah all right so how to brew an oktoberfest there if you want it now there was something else we wanted to get to before the end of the show that's first wort hopping you got it. And so this is something that comes out a lot, and uh, some people swear by it. You know, Some people say it's, it's not really worth your while, and so we'll come time and talk about it a little bit. I know uh, Kevin, one of our employees, uh, first wort hops every one of his American-style IPAs, pale ales, and um, I think it really comes through well. I have certain recipes I do it for, and I did a little more research to what actually is going on because most of us thought, okay, you're going to get a little bit cleaner bitterness, add 10% to your efficiency, and that's it. You're done, right? So you're putting hops in before you even turn on the heat to the wort. So you got everything coming out of the mash tun. It's just, you know, about 155 to 160 degrees. You throw your hops in there, and that's it. Add 10%. But it's not really that simple. Um, Educated assumption would be you put these hops in pre-boil. Nothing happens until you get to a boil. Then when you boil, all the aromas and oils get carried off before they can get oxidized. Well, that's not what happens. So when people are trying to substitute in to do some pre-wort hopping, they often take out of the bittering hops. But you're actually going to get some flavoring and aroma out of that too. So you need to take 30% out of your finishing hops as well. Um, And what's going on here, now to be quite honest, after all the research, the science is a little murky. Um, What they have done a lot of is a lot of tasting panels to kind of see if anything's going on. Um, And the tasting panels have always agreed that hops added pre-boil end up in the aroma and in the finish. And they also say that the bittering 
is a little bit cleaner and that they get more pleasant aromas, kind of less, uh, we'll say, pungent or soapy aromas out of it. Um, while there's no real true measurement, we know that we're getting more IBUs that we can test. And, and we know that there's less aromatics in general when you pre-wart hop. Time and time again, as much research as I could do, every panel preferred the aroma of the pre-wart hopped. So it goes against a lot of what you've read, um, but I guess kind of like decoction massing or something like that, when it comes down to it, it simply just works, and it works well. Is it, when you say there's science not behind it yet, is is it that new? They, they have some ideas of what's going on, and it's actually <laughs> not that new, it's that old. It kind of fell oh, out okay. of favor in kind of 20th century commercial brewing. Um, I guess it was a little bit, you know, too inconsistent, or um, it just wasn't seemed like it was worth it. So they'd put in all the hops right at the beginning of the boil. Might also be, as I know, I often do an attempt to control boil over. If you have all those spots for bubble enucleation point, uh, right at the beginning of the boil, you get a lot more bubbles, um, and that can come out of the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, but brewers have started to do again, probably some to get around to tradition. You know, it probably originally, like they were, trying to save a little bit on hop, get that extra 10% bitterness out of your bittering hops. But they found that there's a lot more behind it. Now, what they say or what they are think is going on here and if you look to you know like john palmer or like yth or the ha you'll see articles talking about how oils from the hops dissolve in the beer before it comes to a boil and then begin to oxidize in the beer again before you get to a boil so that they're completely water soluble by the time you reach a boil and those flavors don't get carried off um so it's an interesting little project if you wanted to do a side-by-side at two beers if you have uh you know a recipe of ipa or pale ale that you really white like that you would like to tweak a little bit might be something to try just take equivalent ibus 10 percent more from your bittering hops take some of your finishing hops again the general rule is about 30 percent and replace those into those pre-wart additions yes you will get a little bit more ibus but again most panels agree that it comes off a little bit cleaner, so it's not perceived as as bitter. All right. Cool little trick there to make a cleaner, better. You got it. Pale ale, IPA? IPA, Pilsner? I actually do it with my Pilsner. No. I don't do it with my IPA. So was, this is where this comes up. Kevin, every IPA. Me, every Pilsner. Hmm. Him, never on a Pilsner. Me, never on an IPA. Gotcha. So we might have to do a little recipe swapping. Very cool. All right, well, that'll do it for us. Again, remember, today's the deadline, so get to Niagara Traditions uh, uh Sorry, on Sheridan Drive. 1296 and, uh, Sheridan Drive. 1296 Sheridan Drive. Drop off those entries for AWOG because today is the deadline. You have till 4 o'clock. That's when you guys are open until. So uh, get those entries in. You got it. You always have a chance. And if not, you got till April 26 for Unaha. So better go brew yourself. Beer, 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 beer. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.